0: Hello, friends. It's my pleasure to welcome you to Inside the Writer's Café. I'm Cheryl Mason. Walt Disney once said, There is more treasure in books than in all the pirates' loot on Treasure Island. Our show features not only the hottest authors, but also introduces you to exciting new authors talking about themselves and their latest books. Today's show features two slice-of-life coming-of-age books. Dr. David Bourbon earned his first two academic degrees at the University of Kentucky, and he has a Ph.D. from Ohio State University. He taught at Duke University and at the University of Warwick in England. David's written research articles, business cases, and five college textbooks. He joins me today to talk about his novel, Romance in My Rambler, the first in the Class President series. Welcome, David.
1: Hi, how are you?
0: I'm doing very well. It's really good to have you. This book is really, really very cleverly done. Where did you get the idea for this?
1: Well, it's inspired by true events and... uh Probably about half of it is – the book is uh, fiction, but about half of it was based on uh, uh, my childhood, which uh, just about every year there was some traumatic event that happened, uh, and it all started off when uh, uh, I fell in a well at five years old and was pronounced dead.
0: I read that, and I thought, oh, my gosh. This really happened to you?
1: Yes, it did.
0: And you don't have a memory about the event? I
1: don't have any memory of this. And actually, the uh, uh, description in the text uh, or in the novel is... uh, based on interviews with other people and newspaper articles uh... The people who saved me they won some awards this all happened in 1952 The the book is uh, about a coming of age book about a young boy going through the turbulent uh... nineteen fifties and sixties everything from school integration to the cuban missile crisis to uh... Uh, even the Mickey Mouse Club. <laughs> well, I think that's every- when I grew up, as did many, many baby boomers.
0: I was about to say, I think every baby boomer in the audience listening to us right now, when they begin the book, you start out with a scene in this 1950s kitchen of you as a small boy, five years old, and Howdy Doody is playing on your TV. And I think every baby boomer who reads those words immediately zooms back in their mind to Buffalo Bob and Clarabelle the Clown and Princess Summerfall Winter Spring. So this was so much fun to read this book. Uh, tell us, give us a little bit of an overview. Now you go through. You start in the nineteen fifties, and go, the book goes through. How far?
1: Well, it, the the book uh, starts in nineteen fifty two, and I'm five years old. So, uh, uh, and it goes through my turbulent high school days. Uh, we had the, of course, the threat of Vietnam and uh, the Cuban Missile Crisis, uh, and we just had a lot of social. Um, and political changes going on. Uh, you were getting ready to play a high school uh, championship football game, and President Kennedy gets shot. And I have a chapter in there on that. And the whole idea of the book is uh, to take uh, either baby boomers or their children down memory lane. And everybody, of course, had different experiences, but we can all relate to these events and how that how it influenced every one of us, and in my case, um, you know, it was quite a struggle for me to, uh, I'm just overwhelmed by the amount of change that was going on in the early 60s.
0: I think people who grew up during that era experienced that same kind of feeling, because the 60s is really a very pivotal time. In the history of the United States, I think, because it's when we were changing out of sort of those old rules that governed the way things were done and embarking on to maybe not the society that we have now, but starting to head in that direction. Is that what you mean to say in the book?
1: Absolutely. And, you know, there's a scene in the book in the early chapters, and I'm about 10 or 12 years old, and I'm taking a uh, dance class, and we're learning the foxtrot. And that's the 50s. That's my mom and dad and their generation, uh, the World War II generation. And my dad had just come home from World War II. He was in the uh, Pacific Theater during World War II. He was a Marine and uh that set of values and uh beliefs, and then uh you know even at ten years old uh a lot of things were going on, and uh, a lot of things were being challenged uh you know, I went from the fox trot of being crazy and wild with the twist and and all the crazy music of the 60s. So it was quite a transition.
0: (laughs) From the Foxtrot to the Beatles, really. I mean, that's amazing.
1: Well, I I remember Mom and Dad and I uh, and my sister. My sister was 11 years younger than me, so it was like raising two families. But I remember the Ed Sullivan show just like it was yesterday.
0: What are some of your favorite stories? From the book.
1: Well, one you mentioned is my uh, beautiful mom was just uh, um, her commitment to the family, her nineteen fifties belief uh, beliefs, um, and uh, at that time, uh, you know, mom did things like cook every day, uh, make sandwiches for the family, and uh, iron our clothes, and and all the things that. Uh, uh, 1950s, um, uh, mother centered family would do. Uh, and of course I cherish all those memories. My mom passed away this last August. Um, and then my mom also was on the school board and, um, uh, I have that in the book and she defended, uh, uh uh, equal pay for women and men teachers. Uh, she voted uh, for us to integrate with a, a black school system and so when I was in uh, ninth or 10th grade uh, uh, football practice uh, starts before the actual school. So the first time that uh, the two schools met were on a football field and I had the scene in there where there's uh uh, a line of black football players and a line of white football players and we're meeting for the first time. And the coach walks down through the line and says, uh, we're stronger as one than if we're separate. And uh, and from that point on, we were competing on the football field. And actually, we became a very good team. And we won a regional uh, championship football game and went on. And we also have... Uh, quite a few stories in the book about uh, football and high school football. And uh, our season ended on a sort of a uh, a wild uh, set of rules that was actually tied. And back in those days, they called the game. And so, uh, anyway, there's a lot of turbulence in, in this uh, book. Some other scenes that I really enjoyed was uh, – uh my uh, anna uh was uh my high school sweetheart and uh i basically uh, had to leave uh the team because i had uh basically uh gotten clipped and I had a severe acl injury and one scene is we're out on a Kentucky horse farm, and there's a beautiful uh stream uh a beautiful day and I've got a cast on my leg and everything else and uh we're watching these little twigs sort of meander down this little stream and pop over the uh over the dams and um you know we're just reflecting on how life can uh be like a twig uh It's sort of certain you're going to go down the stream, but you never know if you're going to get hung up at a dam or if you're going to go to the shore or what. So anyway, that was a special scene. Um, Another scene I could go on and on was my first, uh, uh, I did high school cotillion, and the first time back then they had dance cards and uh basically uh my first dance, I had to actually ask uh, a lady to dance, which turned out to be social paralysis i uh <laughs> rose up and and uh but uh, you know but a, a dance card, for example, is a sort of a symbol of the fifties, yes. And, you know, today uh, uh, they would probably text each other if they wanted to dance with each other, even though they're standing next to each other.
0: You're absolutely right. I love that observation.
1: <laughs> or they take a picture of themselves and text at 10 feet
0: <laughs> and say, uh, hey, you want to dance? Technology has certainly changed things, hasn't it? Right. I
1: doubt if young people today even know what a dance card is.
0: Exactly. And how many times have you heard somebody in jest say to another person, well, I'll see if I can put you on my dance card. As a way to say, I'll see if I can put you in my schedule. And you're right. If you you said that to some of the younger people today, they'd look at you and say, what? (laughs) It sounds like... Sounds like you really have had a great time writing the book.
1: I had a wonderful time writing the book, and I wish I had the skills of a great author. Uh, as you said, I've written uh, five college textbooks, but I'm trying to make the transition to novels, and I find that to be much, much more difficult than just writing a textbook. So. Uh, But I gave it my best shot, and it's a fun read. It's a fun read. And what it should do, especially for baby boomers, is uh, take them down a trip down memory lane. Now, if...
0: Our listeners are interested in the book. Let me go ahead and give the title again, which I think is priceless. Romance in My Rambler, and I will want to ask you more about that in just a minute. Romance in My Rambler by David Bourbon, B-O-U-R-B-O-N, exactly the way it sounds. I went to Amazon.com, and in that top book search feature, I just typed in, The name of the book and your name clicked on it, and it comes up to a picture of the book. You click on that picture of the book, and then it'll take you right to an excerpt that you can read. And it's about the first chapter and then a few pages, so that you really get a nice flavor for what the book is like. How did you come up with the title, Romance in My Rambler?
1: Well, that's an interesting question At sixteen, uh my dad uh brought home for the entire family um a rambler a nineteen sixty three ambassador rambler and the bottom line of the Rambler was that it had completely reclinable seats. <laughs> so I was the star of the high school <laughs> class because I had a roving bed.
0: David
1: and it, uh, there's some funny scenes all about that, and uh you know here uh, here's this young boy at sixteen with hormones going wild and and trying to be a football star, which I never really was, and uh you know, I've got this moving bit, and so uh, there's quite a bit in the book about that. That's so it's absolute, romance in my rambler.
0: Absolutely priceless. Now, where else besides Amazon could the listeners get a copy of the book?
1: Well, uh, the publisher is Author House, so you could go to Author House uh, and get a copy. It's also at uh, Barnes and Noble and uh, online. And you can also go to my webpage. <clears throat> Which is www and series dot com, and the Class President Series is all one big long word.
0: How many do you see in this series? This is the first book, so how many do you project that you'll put into the series?
1: Well, um, I've outlined uh, about three or four books, and briefly. Then, uh, what happens to David next? David Bourbon is, uh, he, uh, goes to college, gets an engineering degree, and then goes to Vietnam as a second lieutenant. Uh, there's another book a little bit later on about, uh, uh, David Bourbon, uh, teaching at a top five business school, walking into class for the very first time. Um, and later on in another book, there's uh, uh, an entire book that could be written about uh, tenure uh, in a major university and some of the uh, very, very difficult decisions that uh, were made, particularly one black faculty member um, uh, was denied tenure. and. So I got a whole series of books and then the final book is probably, I just lived a part of this life is, uh, I uh, was divorced at 60 and all of a sudden I'm out there dating again. Uh oh. <laughs> uh oh, is right. <laughs> and I fumble around. I have no idea how to date and, and all this. And, um so that's, that would probably be the final book.
0: It's no easier at 60 than it was at 16, is it?
1: Oh, it's so difficult. It's it's such a struggle, and I made every mistake that anyone could ever make, and uh, I happened to bump in eventually. It took me six years to find this lady, but uh, I'm happily married now, and I cherish every moment with her.
0: Wonderful. One last question. If you could sit down with our listeners after they've closed the book for the last time, and if you could ask them this question, if you could say, what did you take away from the book? What answer would you like for them to give you? Is the book just designed to entertain? Are there some messages there that you want the, the reader to take away? What would you like for them to say to you?
1: Well, I would like for him to just sit down and smile and just reminisce about, wow, that's what I lived through. And here's my story, which isn't exactly David Bourbon's story, but uh, we all have our, all the baby boomers have their own unique stories. And it would just be a trip down memory lane and you would go, Yeah, that's what I was doing when President Kennedy was shot. Yeah, that's what I'm doing when the Beatles were on the Ed Sullivan show or whatever it might be, and uh,
0: just to make people happy. That's a worthy, worthy thing to want to do with a book. You have been delightful. Thank you so much for being with us today on Inside the Writer's Café.
1: Thank you, Cheryl, for having me.
0: You're listening to Inside the Writers Cafe, brought to you on WebTalkRadio.net. Joining me today is Victoria James. She's the author of House on a Swing. From an early age, Victoria wanted to be a writer. She currently also speaks at women's shelters and churches, telling her personal story in order to give people hope that they can break the cycle of abuse and learn to trust again. Welcome, Victoria. Thank you so much. Well, it's a pleasure to talk to you today. And, of course, I'm curious. The book is very intense. Is it fiction? Where did you get the idea for this? It's actually based on a true story from... um, a
2: situation that I found out about, and I wanted to tell the story.
0: What made you decide to do it now? I guess because it took this um,
2: person so long to fight their way out of the terrible life they'd been put in, and it took them so long, and when they finally did, it was victorious, and it was really good, so I wanted to let the world know that you can survive anything.
0: Your main character is Lizzie. Tell me a little bit about Lizzie. Lizzie was born into
2: a world where she wasn't wanted and nobody cared for her. And basically, the people in your life when you come into the world that are supposed to love you, nurture you, take care of you, they've... They've betrayed her one after another after another. And she always just kept on hoping that there would be a better day, something better would come up. And at a very young age, she started, she was introduced to God and religion. And she would always believe in God and pray, that, pray to Him that He would help her survive whatever was happening to her at that time. Is that the basic story of the book? It pretty much is. It's about Lizzie's survival from one place to another to another from the people that should have nurtured and cared for her, but they've all betrayed her in one way or another. And it took her many, many years to break the cycle, break free, and become, you know, a victor, not a victim.
0: When did you first start writing?
2: Um, When I found the story out many, many years ago – I started a rough draft on it, but we just couldn't come up with an ending for the story. We didn't have a happy ending, and it was such a tragedy of a story that we wanted to kind of wait to see how we could end it, and then years went by and things started to turn around and Lizzie was able to get out of the situation she was in she was able to rise above what life had dealt her and little by little it just took her a lot of time to get there but she finally did and she had a happy ending and I wanted to tell the story because there's so many women and so many people in situations where they're born into the world to families or people that don't want them don't care about them and don't love them, and nurture them, and give them a decent childhood and growing up life, and it makes it really hard for them, and that's where this came from.
0: I said in the introduction, because I had read your, your bio, that you had always wanted to be a writer. How old were you when you first decided that you wanted to become a writer?
2: It was probably the same year that President Kennedy died, was shot, because that's the first year we got a TV, and I saw reporters on TV doing the news, and I said, that's what I want to do. I love it. I love it. And I think I was like three or four, or something like that.
0: Have you written something before
2: House on a Swing? I Just some manuals and different things for religious people, you know, people, um, some church things I've done for them. I've written the church histories and different things like that, but um, there were times that I was able to write articles and get them published in the Miami Herald and the Sun Sentinel, and um, I do have another book in works. Oh, tell me about that. Well, it's a book um, that I'm not sure about the title of it yet, but it's about It's about amazing things that happen to people that they don't realize until later on in life when they realize that that was a gift and it was something that was a learning experience for them.
0: One of those out of a bad situation or a bad event or a tragedy. You know, often, you're absolutely right, often something that would have never happened to a person, they'll come through this This event that seems like it's absolutely the worst thing they can imagine and on the other side it's that old saying about another door opens and that door would never have opened if the bad thing hadn't happened and it and it makes them the
2: person that they are today so if they survive and try to rise above it and not, you know, a lot of people dwell in the tragedy of what happened and they become drug addicts or, you know, they just can't seem to make it in life, but you can always
0: rise above what's happened to you and move on. Do you think writing can help with that? Do you think it can be a cathartic sort of process to be able to sit down and write down a bad thing that's happened or keep a journal of things that are happening to you? Would you suggest that?
2: I would suggest journaling because that's one of the most important things I learned when I was young when you're a victim and not allowed to speak to adults what happens is if you can journal what your feelings are not what you think but what you're feeling every day what you're feeling and what how it makes you feel it's kind of like a feeling journal that in the end it relieves it, it relieves stress and pressure from you on the inside and it helps you make it
0: You know, I've heard that. I've heard counselors, and I do some stress management classes myself. I teach them, and I've read a lot about journaling. And what you just said is absolutely right in line with what all of the research shows, that keeping a journal or a diary, they talk about a gratitude journal. They talk sitting down and, and maybe every day write down three things that happened that day that were really good. Not focus on the bad stuff. What was something good that happened that day? They talk about those kinds of things. So I agree with you, one hundred percent. I think writing can be so wonderful for somebody.
2: I do too. It's really great therapy.
0: <laughs> Who do you read? What kinds of things do you like to read when you have a chance? Well, I actually
2: like to read a lot of self-help books. But one of my favorite people is Joel Osteen. He's, you know, he has a little bit of. you know, religion in it, but he has a lot of motivational, a lot of self-help guidance, how to not be a victim, but a victor, how to be, you know, how to, how to handle life's daily stresses, and he's very motivational, so anything motivational, I like to read and I like to listen to, because it just helps you through the next day, you can really survive anything if you just believe.
0: What would you like to say to our listeners about your book? what what one thing do you want them to take away from this interview today
2: what i want them to know from the book is that there Maybe people around you that are trying to bring you down and keep you down into a place that you know that you're better than and you don 't belong, and find a way to get out, find a way to change your life, find something to believe in, if not just yourself because you know try to believe in yourself and try to motivate yourself to find a greener path to get away from that and to just realize that you have the strength to make a difference because you're a child of the Most High God, and He would not want this to happen to you, and He will help you get out.
0: I want our listeners to know that the book is available on Amazon. I went to Amazon and put in your name, Victoria, V-I-C-T-O-R-I-A, James, J-A-M-E-S, exactly the way it sounds. And the title of the book is House on a Swing. And I just typed that into the book search feature at the top and just clicked on it and it came right up. And there you are. So if they want to know a little bit more about the book, they can look at it on Amazon. There's a bio about you on Amazon. And where else would it be available for the listeners? Well, there is a website called houseonaswing.com,
2: and it actually has a landing page with a list of all the places that you can get the book, like Google Books and Kindle and all the places you can download it or order it. So there. If you go to the thehouseonaswing.com, you'll find it.
0: Are you doing any of the social media stuff? Are you doing Twitter or Facebook or anything like that? There is. There is a Facebook page, and it's called House on a Swing,
2: and there is a Twitter called House on a Swing. So if you find me, I will, and you friend me, I'll get you onto my website. Oh, that's a that's great. What else will I yeah. find on the website, Victoria? You'll find, um, on the website, you'll find a bio, a little bit more in depth of what, where, when, why, and how. And then I try to blog on the Twitter sometimes and let people know about certain things that are coming up or someone that survived something. So there's a lot of, so if people respond to me or email me, I will respond. And I have an email, houseonaswing at yahoo.com.
0: Oh, great. Yeah. So you're all over the place. Yeah, I'm trying. (laughs) Good for you. If you could sit down with our listeners, they've bought the book, they sat down, they read the book, they've closed it for the last time, and you're sitting there with them face to face. What would you like for them to tell you that they took away from the book?
2: I think I would really like them to take away the fact that They should maybe look to the left, look to the right, see if there's somebody that maybe needs a little bit of help, somebody that maybe needs a little of encouragement, a smile, a handshake. Don't just be oblivious to people that aren't in your You know, social circle that there may be somebody that they can help make it to the next level or get out of the situation that they're in and to not be judgmental of what happens to other people but to be proud of them when they make it out of that kind of a life
0: well Victoria it was an absolute pleasure to talk to you today thank you so much for being our guest on Inside the Writers Cafe thank you so much our time is up And we'd like to thank you for yours. Remember, pick up a good book and read.